Amen. We'll do one more real quick for you. And uh, you can go ahead and find your place in Acts in chapter number 3 while we're waiting. And uh, man, I appreciate the words of Pastor Burke this evening. And uh, I, <clears throat> I appreciate how well-spoken he is. I'm not well-spoken myself. I don't I consider myself well-spoken. Uh, in fact, he was like preaching our couples conference here like a month ago. And he said, I was on my lawnmower and came up with this eight-point sermon series or sermon outline. I'm like... So I went out and mowed my yard a lot this last month, trying to, like, God, give me something good. And it just doesn't work that way. I was just, man, uh, I had, like, this morning I had five points. I don't know, I didn't get to, I think I got to two of them, and uh, that's about it, you know. So I, uh, I just appreciate that of him, and, and uh, that was just uh, such a blessing to remember our missionaries. <clears throat> this morning we tried to look there in Acts in chapter 3, where we're going to be tonight, and the first 12 verses, and just... Be reminded that we are to be ministers. We're to be ministers. Uh, everyone is going somewhere. And uh, I, I, I really enjoyed uh, or appreciated I heard when I was in uh, college, one missionary came through at a missions conference, and he said that the missions conference is the, is the church's business meeting to determine the fate of the heathen. That's a, just such a great statement. Just the church's business meeting to determine the fate of the heathen. What will we do? Uh, for uh, for those who are lost and dying. And uh, we have the answer, the answer we looked at this morning. It's Christ. It's what they need. They, they, they might think they need all sorts of other things. They need Christ. And so we'll sing one more song, and then we'll get here at Acts chapter 3 this evening. <coughs> Morning front page headline reads, Disaster strikes once more. The writing on the wall is much too great to be ignored. Floods and earthquakes everywhere, violence plagues our land. The last days are upon us, Christ coming is at hand. Where would you be had Jesus come back five minutes ago? Would you still be here, alone and lost without hope? He will return as a thief in the night. Will you be taken or left behind? Where would you be had Jesus come back five minutes ago? This lost and dying world must face the judgment seat one day. They're waiting a balance for a price that they must pay. Refusing to accept God's grace, how could they be so blind? The sand is quickly falling through this hourglass of time. Where would you be had Jesus come back five minutes ago? Would you still be here, alone and lost without hope? He will return as a thief in the night. Will you be taken or left behind? Where would you be had Jesus come back five minutes ago? Mother Nature, Father Time, 
won't stop or change God's plans. The prophecy has been fulfilled. He's coming back again. Where would you be had Jesus come back five minutes ago? Would you still be here alone and lost without hope? He will return as a thief in the night. Will you be taken or left behind? Where would you be had Jesus come back five minutes ago? Amen. Praise the Lord. Acts 3, I'll let you be seated tonight. And again, Faith Promise Missions, I'm uh, grateful. I've grown up with Faith Promise Missions. I uh, am thankful for the work it did in my life and I've, what I've got to see God do in my adult life as I've gotten engaged in myself in Faith Promise Missions. Uh, and uh, I'm just thankful for what, uh, how God uses it. I'm not going to have you stand this evening for, uh, as we read because uh, I'm going to read the rest of the chapter. You're welcome. Amen. You're welcome. And uh, and uh, the uh, the the what we're getting ready to read is the message that ensued after the events that we talked about this morning. Uh, people ran upon Paul and and uh, and John, excited about what was going on, wanting to know what was going on. We read. We start stopped reading in verse number uh, uh, thirteen this morning. We're going to pick up reading in verse number twelve. We're going to read down through the end of the chapter. If you just follow along with me as I read audibly uh, this evening, I'd appreciate it. It says in verse number twelve. It says, And when Peter saw it, he answered unto the people, Ye men of Israel, why marvel ye at, the, at, <clears throat> why marvel ye at this? Or why look so earnestly on us as though by our own power or holiness we had made this man walk? The God of Abraham and of Isaac and of Jacob, the God of our fathers, hath glorified his son Jesus." whom ye delivered up and denied him in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go. But ye denied the Holy One and the just and desired a murderer to be granted unto you and killed the Prince of Life. I'm telling you, that's quite, a, quite an, uh, an accusation. And, and we know it not to be an accusation, for they did stand and cry, uh, His blood be on our hands. I loved how Alfred Edersheim said, Never were more true words spoken uh, than, than that statement right there. His blood be on our hands. It's not on you, it's on us. They desired for him to die. These, these people in particular, he's in Jerusalem right now in the temple with the Jews. It says, uh, Ye killed the prince of life, whom God hath raised up, verse number 15, from the dead. Wherefore we are, or whereof we are witnesses. And his name, through faith in his name, hath made this man strong, whom ye see and know, yea, and faith which is by him hath given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. And now, hint, uh, brethren, I what, or I know, or it uh, means to be aware, all right? So I'm aware that through ignorance uh, ye did it, as did your fathers. But those things which God before had showed by his mouth uh, of all the prophets that Christ should suffer, he hath so fulfilled. Repent ye therefore, and be converted." Uh, that your sins may be blotted out uh, when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. 
and he shall and he shall send Jesus Christ which before was preached unto you uh, whom the heaven must receive until the times of restoration of all things which God hath spoken by the mouth of his holy prophets since the world began for Moses truly said unto, uh, unto the fathers a prophet shall the Lord your God raise up and uh, uh, unto you uh, of your brethren like unto me him shall ye hear in all things whatsoever he shall say unto you and it shall come to pass that every soul which will hear that prophet shall be destroyed, uh, shall not hear that prophet, uh, shall be destroyed from among the people. Yea, and all the prophets from Samuel and those that followed after, as many as uh, have spoken, have likewise foretold of these days. Ye are the children of the prophets." And of the covenant which God made with our fathers, saying, Unto Abraham and in thy seed shall all the kindreds of the earth be blessed. Unto you first, God, unto you first, God, having raised up his son Jesus Christ, sent him to bless you and to turn every one of you from his iniquities. By the grace of God tonight, I want to preach this to you. What ye denied, we are witnesses of. What ye denied, we are witnesses of. And I just want to submit to you this evening that that's a challenge every one of your missionaries faces. That they are going into a world and they are preaching a gospel to a world that has denied God and wants nothing to do with God. And they are called to be witnesses unto God in that region of the world, just as you are called to be a witness unto God right here in this region of the world. Uh, here's the difference, though. Look at all the people around you. <laughs> I mean, you get to be a witness, and look at the encouragement that you have sitting around you. And they might have them and their kids and, and a few handful of people that they've won. They've been called to be witnesses in a, in a hostile world that wants nothing to do with the gospel that they're preaching. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, God, we just ask that you just would meet with us tonight. God, I just ask that our hearts would be uh, uh, turned toward the need that this world has this evening. Lord, their main need is your son, Jesus Christ. But Lord, even in our text, he has been denied. We don't live in a culture, even here in America, that Lord is getting closer and closer to you, but is trying to push you out of it as fast as it possibly can. Is trying to deny you in every way it possibly can. Lord, you've called us, even through that denial, to be witnesses, to call men unto repentance, to call them to convert uh, uh, from this, the, the unholiness of this world unto the holiness of God. Lord, help us tonight that we might be a burden for this need to call men unto uh, repentance. We thank you for your love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Here we see this story continue to unfold. We, again, looked at it this morning, the healing of this lame man uh, uh, that was there uh, at the gate beautiful. And, uh, and God uh, uh, had given uh, uh, Peter and John opportunity to cross by his path. He had given them, an, a, them a divinely appointed ministry opportunity that they might be able to uh, uh, see him uh, 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 be healed and that the whole uh, uh, group that was there on the Temple Mount uh, uh, could, we, could see uh, uh, God at work. Can we see uh, 
uh, that really great things are going to transpire. Uh, and now as this man is healed, he's walking and leaping, praising God, and it causes men uh, uh, to have their attention turned uh, towards Peter and John so that Peter might be able to boldly preach. And, and, and I just want to remind you is if you'd probably be praising God more than moaning about life, uh, you might cause men to think highly, more highly of God as well. It's just very possible. I'm not saying it would happen, but it might be very possible that if you and I, as the children of God, spent more time praising Him uh, uh, than we did complaining with everybody else at the water cooler uh, at work. I mean, if our life's uh, 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 heartbeat was to go forth and talk about the goodness of God instead of uh, uh, griping about how we have it as hard as anyone out there uh, in this world, we might just see a different result. I'm not saying that's going to happen, I mean, uh, uh, for sure, I mean, or that anybody here would ever complain about anything. I, I know you're all good Christians. I, I know that you're here on a Sunday night. You never complain uh, about anything, but I do ride in the car with my own children. All right, so maybe this is just for them. Uh, maybe it's just for them, but, but I want us to understand that it's a reality that when you and I will get to a place to where we are going forth and speaking of and telling people of the goodness of God and the grace of God and the things that God has done for us, I, I'm just saying you're we're probably going to see more people have a desire to know about this God that you would desire to share with them. If you don't ever try to tell about God and how great God is and how good God is, you can expect, listen, you can expect nobody's probably ever going to get interested. It's kind of like you know Michael Jordan. He made that great statement, you'll miss every shot you never take, right? And you and I, it's the same way. If you and I get to a, get to a point to where we're really not going out trying to talk to people uh, uh, about, uh, about God, you're not going to probably see many people come to God. You're not going to see many people uh, get interested in, in the things of God, in the work of God. And many times we can be guilty. Instead of having a testimony that draws men to Christ, we can have a testimony that would push people away for Christ from Christ or that would just be silent uh, about the matter altogether and I'm telling you that'd be a shame we should live lives uh, uh, not that men might be able to uh, 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 we just have lifestyle evangelism that's not what I'm preaching I I'm just saying that we should live lives that's constantly telling others and, and everything about us is speaking to the fact that no no listen as uh, my God's good my God's great my God's done wonderful things in my life and you say your legs broken I know but my God's good and my God's great and my God's done wonderful things in my life. You don't have the nicest house, but my God's good and my God's great. I'm telling you, this guy had nothing. He laid by a gate with a cup and I don't know he had a cup, but come on, you think of the old beggar rattling a coin. Hey, put a coin in there so I can rattle. Rattle, rattle, rattle. Alms for the poor. That's what this guy had. Come on. And yet he was walking and leaping and praising God. And I'm telling you, it drew a crowd of people uh, unto, unto uh, uh, Paul, Peter, and John. And they wanted to know what had taken place. And what, what's the magic? What's the secret sauce? How did, this, how did this happen? How did this beggar, we all know this was the beggar. How did this take place? And if you go into chapter uh, uh, number 4, you, you find out that in verse number 4, as this message that we just read that Peter preached unto them, as it was spoken, 5,000 men, it says uh, at least 5,000 men, believed on, on the message that Peter had given of Jesus Christ being crucified. And, and, and listen to me, you and I will never be <coughs> seeing results if we continue to be silent. Right. Yeah. You'll never see results in witnessing. Right. 
Uh, I, I'm telling you, the, the most surefire way to never be able to lead someone to Christ, the most surefire way to never get someone to the house of God so that they can hear the preaching of the word of God is to just stay silent. But this man was walking and leaping and praising God. And you say, I haven't been able to leap in, 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 in years. Okay, well, then just get the, I mean, just concentrate on the walking and praising God then. Okay, if that's, if that's all you can do, I think God could use it. I think he could. I honestly think he could. That's not the message today. I just, just got on a, you know, I just got excited about that. Peter's sermon, why I believe we need to understand this, is a biblical truth for everyone that is here. I believe it was given for our admonition this evening, absolutely, or it would have been a waste of time for us to even read it. I think we need to understand and acknowledge it was given to a specific audience. It was given to a very specific audience. As we read this message, it's very clear uh, that he is speaking and addressing the Jews. He's addressing Jewish people. He's talking to Jewish Jewish religious people. Uh, we, we get this. He was talking to Jewish religious people that knew the Scriptures. Peter acknowledges, you, you know what the prophets said. You know what the Scriptures say. You, you, you are very aware of this. They, weren't, they were not ignorant under the fact of what the prophets had said. They weren't at all. They knew the scriptures. And, and not only that, they were aware of the recent events that he's talking about. That just not too long ago, you were the ones that murdered the Savior that I've been called to be a witness of. The reason that this man's walking and leaping and praising God, uh, uh, listen, you murdered the reason that he's doing that. You put him to death, but here's the good news. He's alive. I mean, he's happy. I mean, listen, this takes place because while you did what you did, uh, uh, God is who he is, and you couldn't keep him in the grave. You could take his life. Uh, you could, he, he could give up his life, rather, I guess we should say that. Uh, uh, but you couldn't keep him in the grave. You could not do that. And he's speaking uh, uh, to these men. He's speaking to Jewish religious men who knew the Scriptures. That's who he is talking to according to his message. He's reminding them of Moses and what Moses said. And that's in Deuteronomy 18. If you're uh, wondering, where did Moses say that? Deuteronomy 18, 15 through uh, 18. And then he reminds them of the prophecies of Samuel. And, and I'm, I'm telling you, we could go on to Isaiah and other prophets that prophesied of the Messiah that was going to come and prophesied of the days that they were going to go through and prophesied of what Jesus was going to do and that the Messiah was coming. In fact, their whole religion was built up around the fact that Messiah is coming and we need to make sure that next year we're in Jerusalem because the Messiah is coming. And, and friend, listen to me. They missed it then and they're still missing it today because the Messiah came and they murdered him. Messiah came and they killed him. And they witnessed the ministry and the gospel of, uh, of Christ, and they were acquainted with the Old Testament prophets. And, and, and verse number 26 says, listen, this message came to you first. It, it, this, this was first uh, 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 unto you first, God having raised up Je this, his son Jesus. You were the first ones to receive the, uh, uh, this message uh, and it's important uh, uh, that we don't get away from that fact. It wasn't, we have, praise the Lord, this message wasn't only to them, but it was first unto them. The Jews were the first ones to hear of the gospel uh, 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 from the death, burial, and resurrection. Uh, the Jews were the first ones to hear about his resurrection. 
There, there's no one else that got to hear it first other than the Jews. But praise the Lord, the message is for all because after the church was established by Christ in his earthly ministry, amen, uh, it was established by Christ in his earthly ministry, after the church was empowered by Christ on the day of Pentecost, the message of repentance and salvation went to the Jew first. And also unto the Greek, praise the Lord, also uh, unto us. And while God loves the whole world, and, and while he would use the, uh, uh, the church to preach the gospel to every creature, uh, listen, friend, the point I'm trying to make is he's not done with Israel. He is absolutely not done with Israel. I'm telling you, there is doctrine going around in this world today that would say God's done with Israel and, and, and God's moved on and, and now we got, we're, we're better than there. No, no, no. You can read Romans in chapter number 11. God is using this assembly and our assembly and other assemblies like it to provoke Israel unto jealousy to try to help Israel understand what they missed when they crucified the Lord, what they missed when they denied Jesus Christ. He's trying to provoke them unto jealousy, but friend, he's not done with them yet and the message that is given here was first unto the Jew we get to partake of it but it is first unto them and, and friend if you get around someone that says oh God's done with Israel we've replaced Israel we have taken their place understand with me uh, if God broke his prob promises to Abraham and to Isaac and to Jacob we have no confidence of the promises he made unto us friend I'm just telling you, if he broke those promises that Peter is prophesying about right here and now unto them, uh, uh, then, friend, you and I have no hope of eternity with him. If God would break a promise to them, his promise to you is suspect. Praise God, he did not. Amen. He has not. And, and listen, uh, uh, prophecy has been fulfilled, and yet prophecy is to be fulfilled concerning God's promise to Abraham and to Isaac and Jacob. Praise the Lord. I just think it's important we'd acknowledge who he's talking to and, 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 and that we would say that tonight. God desires that Israel would come to know him and that they would accept his son, Jesus Christ, as the Messiah. Just as God desires that for you and for everyone in this, in this township and everyone in this county and everyone in Cincinnati and everyone in America, he desires that. I learned the difference between townships and cities and stuff today. Thank you, preacher. Appreciate that. <clears throat> that being said, let's, let's look at Peter's message of repentance. Peter's message under, of repentance. Uh, that, that's the message that he preached. Come on. After the church had been established. Come on. After John's long gone. The, the John the Baptist, that, he's, he's long been dead. Jesus Christ has established a church. The church is meeting and assembling together. That work's moving forward. And, and yet here Peter is standing up preaching a message of Repentance. It's a doctrine of the Word of God, this idea of repentance. And there's many, again, who want to get away from Israel. There's a lot that would say, oh, no, no, we don't preach repentance any longer. That's a work. And I'm telling you, it's not a work. We're going to look at it tonight. It is not a work. Uh, uh, repentance and Bible repentance and, uh, is a biblical doctrine by which we are saved. I mean, it's by which we are saved. No repentance. We're going to look at this. No repentance. There is no salvation. And the crowd that gathered here and heard this message was amazed by the miracles that Peter and John uh, had done. And their attention was arrested. And they stood and they gazed on Peter and John as if they had done something uh, miraculous. But Peter was quick to point out to them uh, 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 that, no, no, we have not done miraculous this is who did something miraculous. If you look there in, in, uh, in verse number 
13 again. He said, this is what took place. The God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob, the God of your fathers, hath glorified his son Jesus Christ and, and who ye delivered up. What's taking place here is Jesus Christ has been glorified. God is at work in the life of this individual. God is at work in the life of this man. The God of your fathers uh, is, is still at work. And, and the same God uh, sent his son Jesus, and, and he's the one uh, uh, by whom he is healed. Peter was not shy at all. I'm telling you, he was not shy at all to talk to them about the, the fact that, listen, the same Jesus you killed is the same one that worked here today. He's the same one that moved here uh, uh, today. I, I'm telling you, he was very bold. He was very bold. And, and you think, well, I mean, yeah, we can be bold at church. I'm telling you, he wasn't necessarily at church. I understand the church met there in the Temple Mount. But there were more Jews, religious Jews, uh, that had rejected Christ there uh, than there were church at this point. And he wasn't standing in the midst of friends or standing in front of a pulpit with uh, you know, a large crowd backing him up and saying amen. No, no, I'm telling you, he was standing there by himself, by the power of the Spirit of God, and proclaiming this fact boldly unto them uh, that you have murdered the Messiah. You took his life, and he did it boldly uh, in, in such a way... And, Peter was not uh, uh, shy. Uh, he was willing to stand up and be uh, uh, bold and deliver unto them this bad news and to deliver this uh, unto them. Uh, uh, but listen, why they denied Jesus, there's also some good news. He says, I, I know that you did it ignorantly. I know you did it ignorantly. He says, he uses that old English word, I what not. I know, uh, to what means, W-O-T, what uh, means to know, to be aware, to understand. You say, how did you, how did you get that information? I opened up a dictionary, friend. It has nothing to do with degrees or, no, no, no. I got the word of God this evening and I opened up a dictionary. That's how I got that definition. I believe I got the word of God. But we can define it. And that's what it means. That's what it means. I what not, you, you, I, you, I know y'all did this ignorantly, you shouldn't have been ignorant about it. Right. Uh, I mean, the prophets have prophesied unto you. The message had been delivered unto you. Uh, I mean, God wasn't trying to keep you in the dark about this thing. You shouldn't have been ignorant, but you were ignorant uh, uh, about it. And, and, and so why he's giving them boldly this bad news that you're guilty of the blood of Christ. It's on your hands. Uh, understand with me, I, I don't think he was doing it with an arrogance. As he was telling them that they're ignorant, I don't think he was doing it to hurt their feelings. He wasn't doing it so he could start a fight with them. He was simply wanting them to understand uh, uh, the truth. Uh, the fact is that, uh, uh, that these Jews that had rejected Christ weren't the only ones to hear the, the, the gospel being preached by Jesus Christ while Jesus came and said, Listen, disciples, I'm going to be taken I'm going to be beaten. I'm going to be, I'm going to be put to death. But don't worry, I'm going to rise again on the third day. Do you understand at least three times that I can find in the gospel record? At least three, possibly four, maybe five. But at least three where it's not synonymous with each other. At least three. Jesus Christ professed that to them directly. And at the end of the story, after, he had, uh, after his body was not found in the grave, and he had rose from the grave, uh, listen, where do we find the disciples not running up and down the streets of Jerusalem saying, he's risen, he's risen, he's alive, he's alive. No, we don't find them there. Uh, they're moping and groping and wondering, why in the world has Jesus left us? What are we going to do now? Yeah. Yeah. You're right. <laughs> 
I mean, so I don't think Peter at all was trying to uh, make them feel bad or say, you're just ignorant. You know, I, mean, you just, I mean, come on, that's not a good thing to feel, hear somebody say. If somebody came up to you and say, you know what, you're ignorant. You think, thank you very much. And then you go look up ignorant in a dictionary later and go, whoa, hey now, I, it's not nice. I don't think he's trying to be mean at all in, in what he's saying. He's trying to help them to understand. Uh, uh, listen, uh, I and my buddies, we, we were ignorant of a few things. Peter took ignorance to another level, honestly. I mean, he really did. He was really good at this ignorant stuff. In fact, one of the times in Matthew 16 uh, where, where he makes the great confession, right, uh, where he says, uh, uh, whom do men, Jesus said, whom do men say that I am? And he says, thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus responds, blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed this unto me, but my Father who is in heaven. And, and I'm telling you, you can imagine... Peter, oh man, buttons were popping off if he had buttons on his three-piece suit. I don't know. But, I mean, chest out, oh man, yeah. And, and, and then Jesus says, this is what's going to take place. I'm going to be taken, I'm going to be, you read chapter 16. I'm going to be taken, I'm going to be beaten, I'm going to die, I'm going to rise again the third day. And, and Peter, with all the pride he'd swelled up from the last conversation, said, not so, Lord. And God had to look at him and say, get thee behind me, Satan. I'm telling you, we can look at the world and wonder how in the world are they so messed up. They're so they're so far off base. They're so ignorant of what the truth is. They don't know that they don't know it at all. And and, and yet, listen to me. Even even Peter, who's giving this message, would have to look back in his life at times where he did a lot of things in ignorance and said some things. I I, I don't know, but said some things where he said I wished he probably wouldn't have put his foot so far down his throat. Yeah, I mean, Peter, I mean, wasn't good at just putting his foot in his mouth. He swallowed the whole thing and was choking on it, you know, at times. So here we are, Peter, giving this message unto them and, and delivering it unto him and, and, and desiring that they would be able to be introduced once again to the one that they denied. That they would hear of him, the, uh, of the reality of the long-suffering of God, because even though you crucified the Savior, guess what? <laughs> Listen, uh, this message of the Savior, it's coming to you first. No, no, even though you denied him, this message is still coming unto you. It's still for you. And, and God is so long-suffering, even in your ignorance, God's willing to save you from your ignorance. I'm telling you, praise the Lord for that. I'm thankful. God saved, uh, he saved me in my ignorance. In my ignorance. God is going to take your ignorance and turn it into Grace. Isn't that amazing? I'm telling you, only God can take the ignorance of man. Ladies, I should get an amen here. Only God can take ignorant men and give grace unto them. Come on. I have three boys. My wife runs out of grace for their ignorance very fast, very fast. But guess who they learn to be ignorant from? The best. Me. I mean, I, I have shown them very well how to live ignorantly many times. But I'm telling you, while, while we can run out of grace, God is long-suffering. He never runs out of grace. 
He never has. He never will. Uh, I'm telling you, God stands ready to offer grace unto all. And this is, this is nothing new in Israel's history. I'm telling you, they had denied the, the prophets over and over and over again. In fact, Jesus said, listen, Israel, I, would, I want to just take you in as a, as a hen would gather her chicks under her feathers. I, I want to, uh, but you would not. You're, you're those who go out and kill the prophets. You don't want to hear what the prophets have to say. You, you've ignored the prophets. You don't want to hear uh, uh, what they have to say. From Moses to Samuel, you've denied everyone that I've sent all the prophets it says in verse number 24 it says yea and all the prophets from Samuel and those that follow after as many as have spoken have likewise foretold of listen these days right here Israel and you've denied them over and over and over again and you are ignorantly denying them at this very moment they shouldn't have been ignorant about it but they absolutely were so you say, well, what do we do about this ignorance? What do they do about this condition that they find themselves in where they've killed the Messiah that they've claimed that they've been looking for? What, what are they to do? You've denied Jesus. You've denied the prophets. You've denied the message of God. What do we do? Well, verse number 19 is the answer. <laughs> Repent. Oh, you've denied the prophets, you've denied the Messiah, you've denied uh, 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 the, the, the message of God. Uh, what you need to do is repent. They had uh, to repent of their sins. Uh, uh, repentance is, is not a work. Listen, listen, friend. Repentance is a change of mind. Repentance is a change of mind. Uh, many people will say, well, uh, I've heard it defined like this. Repentance is a, an about face. It's a turning uh, uh, from one thing unto another. And they'll stop and say, well, right there, what you did, that was a work. You had to turn. I, I'm telling you, you can sit right there in your pew right now. You can sit right where you're at and find yourself in an attitude of repentance. You can change your mind uh, without blinking an eye. That's repentance. The, the, the Lord desires that they would uh, repentance. Repentance is just not though a feeling of sorry uh, for your sin. Where I'm just sorry for our sin. I, I need I, I have I've been bad. But 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 listen, it is a turning from one sin. That's repentance, where I've been trusting in the things of this world. I've been trusting in and holding on to my sin. I found out that my sin is sinful. I no longer want to be in my sin, but I want to turn unto the one who has the answer to pay for my sin. It's a coming to an acknowledgement that in my sin, I have separated myself from God. I have separated myself from the salvation that God offers, and I'm going to be judged for my sin. I no longer want my sin. I want salvation that's repentance it's a turning from one thing to another it's a turning away from our sin it's not feeling sorry enough to quit that's not repentance it's not well i've lost enough and i'm, I'm done losing no 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 it's an acknowledgement and a turning from that which i have done repentance is not doing penance that's not repentance Repentance is all right. Now I got to go and I've got to go and do some good works. I've got to go do something uh, good. That's not repentance, friend. That's not at all repentance. That's not at all salvation. Salvation, uh, uh, repentance is a. Uh, I'm sorry. Salvation is a free gift offered by God. 
I just say this is really basic. I know it's really basic, but it's a free gift offered by God. If I came up and I gave you something tonight, I put something in your hand, and I said it's a gift, as long as you... Listen, we, we don't have a gift any longer then. No, no, we put some conditions and some requirements on that thing now. It is no longer a free gift. This is yours as long as you practice uh, you know, penance and you still say real sorry for your sin. No, no, no. Friend, listen to me. Repentance is not like that. Repentance is this. I acknowledge my sin. I acknowledge the wrong that I've done. I acknowledge that it is my fault that Jesus Christ was placed upon a cross, that it was my sin that he died for. I accept that truth and I turn unto Jesus Christ as the answer. I go to him as the answer and, and, and listen to me. I don't have to do anything. That's, I'm telling it's a wonderful truth that we find right here when we talk about repentance. I don't have to do anything to repent because everything that is needed for me to repentance is done when I turn to Christ and say, yeah, I want him. Honestly, repentance is tied to the doctrine of justification. No, no, it really is. It is tied to the doctrine of justification. Uh, when we talk about repentance, we're talking about the, that, that which we are looking to is Jesus Christ. When I turn to Jesus Christ and say, you know what? I don't want that. I want him. You know what? And, and I choose Jesus Christ. I am, according to the word of God, justified. I may just as if I had never sinned. No, no, no. When I, when I turn from my sin, I turn to Christ. Uh, now God looks at me, and he no longer sees my sin. He looks at me, he no longer sees that, that which I had done. He sees me through the blood of Jesus Christ that was shed for my sin. And I am accepted now in the eyes of God. I am accepted now by the Savior because of the work that Jesus Christ did. This is such a great truth. If you look over in Romans in chapter number 5. Romans in chapter number 5. It says, there bo- verse number 1, I'll, I'll give you a moment. Romans 5, verse number 1. It says, therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God. We have peace now. <laughs> Israel, you took the Savior and you crucified Him and you put Him to death in your ignorance even though you were warned of the prophets and told of the prophets and you never should have done it to begin with. You never should have been in this place. You did it anyway. But listen, that same Savior you crucified is able to give you peace with God. <laughs> How does that work? Through repentance. Through, through the doctrine of justification. It says, it says in verse number 1 of chapter Romans 5, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith unto the grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in tribulation also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience and patience experience and experience uh, hope. And hope maketh not ashamed. I'm telling you, we have been given a gift in Christ when we repent, when we turn from our sin, when we acknowledge our sinfulness, that God then justifies us by the same blood that was shed that condemned us in our sin. And he makes us just as if we had never sinned. I'm telling you, you say, well, how do you explain that? Look up in chapter number 4. I'm telling you, this is awesome to see. This is awesome to see because here Peter is talking about your father Abraham and he's talking about their need to repent and their need to get right with God. Uh, uh, It says, 
he, uh, it says, it, it talks about Abraham in, in Romans chapter 4. It, it, says, it says this. Um, look at verse number 18. Who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations. Speaking of Abraham, according to uh, uh, that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. And being uh, not weak in, in faith, he considered not his own body, uh, uh, not his own body, now dead, when he was a... Uh, when he was about uh, an hundred years old, neither yet uh, the, uh, the deadness of Sarah's womb. Look at this. Look at verse number 20, because I'm telling you, this verse number 20 is mind-blowing. It's mind-blowing, whether you realize it or not. It says, He staggered not at the promise of God uh, through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. Wait a second, it's talking about Abraham there. It's talking about Abraham, who was old, and it's talking about Sarah, and how the two of them didn't even stagger. They didn't, I mean, they didn't even hesitate <laughs> to obey God. Now, I don't know if you've read the Old Testament any time lately in the book of Genesis, but I'm telling you, there was a, a little bit more to that story than Paul records here in Romans in chapter number th- 4, because there was a time... Uh, uh, there was a time when Sarai came to Abraham and said, Abraham, I don't see God fulfilling his promise. I don't see God holding up the end of his promise. And Abraham, you and I have to get some works going on. You and I have to do something. And so what, Abraham, I'm going to tell you to do is you need to go into my handmaid, Hagar, and you need to bring a child unto uh, uh, our family by my maid, Hagar. And Abraham, being the strong-willed, I mean, strong, upstanding Christian man, said, okay, honey, yeah. And went right on into it and, and, and did that. And, and, and listen to me, it, it became a problem in his home, and it would be a plague upon the nation of Israel. I mean, for years to come, decades, centuries to come, even today, it's a problem for them. But do you get what happened here? He didn't record that for us there in Romans, did he? No, 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 because then Abraham got it right with God. And he got it right with God. And Abraham, by faith, went ahead and believed, even though he was past age, and Sarah was past age, and said, listen, I'm going to just obey God. I'm going to listen to God. I'm going to allow that God, what God has said is true. I'm going to allow what God has promised is going to come to pass. And, and, and even though it shouldn't have come to pass, physically speaking, understand with me, uh, uh, God was able to work in spite of all the physical, uh, physical uh, 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 things that would have been in the way to bring a child under Sarah's womb and the Bible records right there that they staggered not at it but I can go back and read Genesis they staggered no, 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 I'm telling you what took place right here from chapter number 4 uh, to chapter 5 from the book of Genesis to Romans is that we've learned about this doctrine of justification no, 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 because God was able to, listen, justify him. Uh, God was able to bring justification on them. That's why chapter number 5 in, in Romans, it starts with, uh, uh, therefore being justified by faith. Abraham put his faith in God, and God was able to listen through the doctrine of justification. Erase all of that sin. It's all gone. It's no longer there. It's as if it's like Paul's writing about it never being there. Like he didn't even stagger at this. He heard the promise of God. He by faith obeyed God, and he staggered not. Because when God saves you, He makes you just as if you've never sinned. 
I'm telling you, he just wipes that slate clean. I'm not saying that it's, hey, go out and sin and have a good time because God's wiped the slate clean. That's not what I'm saying at all. Please don't mistake me for saying that. I'm saying at the time when you say, God, I am a sinner, and you acknowledge before God that you are a sinner. Uh, I'm telling you, when you've done that and you've repented before God of your sin, he takes it away. (laughs) No, it's gone. You have been justified uh, before God, and that's what God wants to do in their life. That's what God wants to do in your life. And I'm telling you, there's many Christians that ought to grab a hold of this reality, that I, I asked God to forgive me of my sin. I repented of my sin. And friend, listen to me. He did. No, no, there's no more sin debt there before God. He doesn't acknowledge it. He doesn't see it. There's nothing that you need to sit around worrying about. I hope, hope people don't find out about it. I hope people don't know about it. No, no, did you repent? That's the question. Because if you repented, this is what takes place. Therefore, Jesus justifies you. (laughs) And I'm telling you, your story reads now just like Abraham's does. (laughs) Man, they staggered not. That sin that was there, it is no more. It is no longer there. God's message to them, Peter's message to them, listen, you sinned, what we need to do is repent. Because there's a long-suffering God. Listen, he can take care of all of that sin. True repentance is admitting that what God says is true about me. I'm a sinner. No, that's true repentance. But because of it, it, because it's true, I change my mind about your sin. And I turn to the Savior. I put my mind under the Savior. So, so he said, listen, listen, you need to repent. But not only just repent, if you go back to there to uh, chapter number uh, 3 of Acts. Repent ye therefore and be converted. Be converted. Um, (laughs) Converted means this. It means to turn, to change from a state of sin to a state of holiness. That's what conversion is. It, 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 It means that I'm going from... From one to another. I, I, I'm turning from one thing. I, I am changed from the sinful person that I was, and now I am, uh, I am walking in holiness uh, uh, with God. And, and, and Paul's message in, in Acts 20 and verse 21, uh, he, he preached this message, Repent, uh, repentance towards God and faith towards our Lord Jesus Christ. What it was say, well, what's, the, what's faith? Faith is just simply taking God in His Word, that God's Word says it, therefore I'm going to do it. Uh, a conversion is kind of the same thing, uh, that I'm no longer going to do these things that God considers sin any longer. I've repented of them, and now I'm going to seek after holiness in God. And guess what, friend? You're not going to learn from, about holiness from God anywhere other than the Word of God. This world is not going to teach you how to walk in holiness. This world is not going to instruct you on how to walk in holiness. Uh, uh, and their desi- God's desire uh, uh, for them through this message that he was preaching was that they would acknowledge their sin and, and listen and be converted from it. That they no longer walk in it. That they no longer find pleasure in it, but that they would walk in holiness. Uh, that they would acknowledge their sin and they would put faith in Christ. <clears throat> We live in a day and a time. I'm really getting somewhere with this. I promise I am. Some of you are like, let's, let's go. No, come on. I, I got somewhere I'm going. Stay with me. Because the reality is today that many, many would rather just ignore sin altogether. Well, no, we need salvation. Oh, man, that's great. That's awesome. And we'll get baptized. That's fantastic. But, 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 whoa, 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 whoa. 
but, but now we have to live like we're a new creature? <laughs> Wait a minute. Now we have to put on holiness? And now we need to separate ourselves from worldly things and from worldly activities. Now, wait a second. I, I'm all for getting. I'm all for this salvation stuff. Uh, uh, but, but, but I'm telling you, I, I don't know that I like being called a sinner. No, I, I'm all for. I'm all for. You know, you tell me uh, how Jesus loves me, but I'm not for you telling me that I, that I'm a sinner that I need to change. I'm just telling you that's the day and age we live in. That's the people we've been called to minister to. Uh, that they're, they're not excited about that message. But the reality is this, that if there is no acceptance of sin and repentance that takes place, there can never be conversion. No, 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 no I'm telling you, you don't have true conversion unto holiness if you have not acknowledged your sin. And, and so therefore, someone at some point in time is going to have to you know, allow you to understand with as much grace as they can, that you're a sinner. You've sinned. No, no, no. You're guilty of the blood of Christ. I mean, somebody's got to proclaim this truth. Uh, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. I mean, at some point, sometimes somebody's got to stand and, and, and testify to that fact. And where there is no repentance of sin, there is no conversion and we have a whole religious world in America today that is desiring to see, experience God without acknowledging what they've done with His Son. I'm just telling you, there's a whole lot of preachers out there that are wanting people to have a Jesus experience without acknowledging the purpose for which Jesus died, and that's your sin. And the two can't go together. And so if we're going to repent, we're going to have to acknowledge that. But the reason that we don't really see people in Christianity and that going the way that we're like, man, where holiness is really something we're striving for. Come on, if you're not aware, in the multitude of religion today, holiness is not the goal. Fun is the goal. Having a good music presentation is the goal. Smoke and lights and having a good old time and in uh, fellowship together. And I'm telling you, and getting together and drinking together and getting together and doing all sorts of other other uh, worldly things. That's the goal. You say, well, well, what are you saying? I'm saying that there's no true conversion, and the reason there's no true conversion is because they did not start at a place of repentance. They didn't come to a place of acknowledging their sin before God. And so therefore, they'll never experience true conversion and never have a heart's desire to walk in holiness and never have a heart's desire to be turned to God in a such a way that they desire to do what God would want them to do in their life and live how God would want them to live in their life and, 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 and to uh, emulate the holiness of God in their life is because they never were truly repentant because many times we never even got to the subject of their sin. It's a whole lot harder to talk to people about God when we talk to them about like, like this. Like, hey, guess what? Um, it's you. You've been given the message. God sent prophet after prophet after prophet to preach it. And you were ignorant about it. You didn't listen to it. And his blood's on your hands. And it's all your fault. We, we don't want people to preach or we don't want people to feel bad about themselves. I don't like people. I'm, not, I'm trying to go around putting guilt trips on people, making people feel bad. That's not what I'm talking about. Well, I mean, but, but what are you saying? I'm saying saving faith doesn't come without repentance. No, and truly, uh, uh, truly being glorifying to God and, and truly walking in holiness and being holy as He is holy, it doesn't take place 
until there is repentance. It doesn't. Until we acknowledge our sin, see our need of faith in God, for our sins, see our sin as condemned before God. But yet God has provided a way of salvation. It's just not a popular message. This is what is really not popular. Is that Peter was preaching a message that was going to require them to agree with God and with his words over the religion that they were practicing. (laughs) Come on. That's what was required here. Listen, you're going to have to uh, um, agree with God about what he says about you. Come on, don't lose me. We're getting right to the meat of this. All right, we, we, That's all introduction, really. That's all that was. Now we're to the message. Amen. Praise the Lord. And we only have two pages left. We only have two pages left. Just, just hang with me a second. No, no, no. The, the real thing that Peter was getting across to them is, listen, you, you, God wants you to agree with him about you and your need of him. No, no, no. God, God wants you to come to a place to where... You acknowledge that you are a sinner and that it is your fault you're a sinner. Nobody made you sin. And nobody thrust their sin upon you. This is your own doing. And yet he's provided an answer for it. God wants you to agree with him about you. And, and, and so you say, well, I, think, I, I, mean, I think I'm a good person. I think the majority of Americans today would give that testimony. I'm a pretty good person. I'm just, I'm just doing my best, and, and you know, I'm just out there doing you know, everything I can do, and my good works are going to outweigh my bad works one day, and, and, and that's my goal. And, and here's, this, here's the point we got to stop. When did you start doing more good than bad? I mean, honestly, in your mind, you're like, man, I've been doing so much more good than I ever did bad. And, you know, I'm, I, mean, I, mean, I think I've got it figured out. And, and, and here's the point. God's not looking at your good and your bad. He never was, he never has, he's never desired to do that. What God is looking at is your sin, and the only answer for the bad of your sin is his son, Jesus Christ. And God desires that you would stop trying to figure things out for yourself and stop, stop interpreting things for yourself, how you would want them to be, and that you would agree with him about who he is and about who his son is. Man's number one problem, listen, is truly that they don't want to agree with God. We don't want to agree with God about who we really are. We justify our sin. Well, I wouldn't have sinned if they hadn't have done this. If they hadn't have been the person they are, then I wouldn't have done that horrible act. We excuse sin. We cover up sin. Sadly, today many just flaunt their sin and could care less what God thinks. Uh, Some advertise their sin. In our sin, we deny the truth of God. We choose our own truth that works for us. And we decide that this is the truth that I'm going to espouse. And this is the truth that I'm going to hold on to. And this is the truth I'm going to live with. But God isn't interested in you and and, and you finding a truth that works for you. God is interested in you coming to a knowledge of the truth. That's what he's interested in. God is interested in you coming uh, uh, to a knowledge of the truth. And, and, and you say, well, man, this doesn't seem very missions-y, and I don't want to knock that over. No, no, I'm telling you, it's very missions-y. Right. 
Uh, I'm telling you, this is, I mean, this is right at the heart of, uh, of all missions. Right. Your missionary goes to a foreign land, and they've got all sorts of different ideas, and they've got all sorts of different ma- uh, manners and customs and, and, and things that they've been taught, maybe by Catholicism, may, maybe by their fathers. You, come on, that's what Paul, what Peter was talking about in this message right. here. He's like, you, you've been prophesied to your fathers, and this promise has been made to your fathers, and, and they've got it all messed up and mixed up. And, and, and your missionary goes out, and they go to this foreign land where there's all sorts of different thoughts, and there's all sorts of different theories, and people have come up with a, a truth that works for them. And then the preacher comes by and says, uh, <clears throat> you're a sinner. It's real popular, by the way. Now, I'm telling you, I mean, people just come out by the droves. I mean, right in Russia, that could be the uh, Elams could tell you, just came out in droves to hear this. Hey, you are all sinners and guilty before God, and you're going to spend an eternity separated from God for your sin. People just get all excited about it. It's about as excited as you all are tonight. Right. No, they just get super excited about that. And, and then people are like, listen, you're going to have to deny the, the, the truths that you've heard your whole life. No, no, uh, the, the truths that your parents have taught you that really aren't truth, it's just what your parents thought was truth and, and all their manners and customs. Uh, uh, listen, they really don't mean anything to God. God is interested in your eternal soul and God is interested in you agreeing with Him about your sinful condition and God is interested in you acknowledging that you're a sinner and you repenting of your sin and then turning unto Him and being converted. I'm understand with me. The message of Christ supersedes all race, creed, color, culture. I'm telling you, it, it supersedes everything. It absolutely does. And and I'm just telling you, you go to a foreign country <clears throat> and you stand up with just you and your kids. So how do you know? I, I, I'm just I, I'm just telling you, it's not fun preaching to a bunch of Americans sometimes. I'm just telling you, uh, it's not fun getting up and trying to under, help Americans understand how they need to repent. I can't imagine trying to do it in a, na- a native, in a tongue that's not native to me, to a people that, listen, didn't ask me to come. <laughs> and stating to them, listen, you are a sinner, but God's the answer. And we can sit in the pew and we can you know, amen the preaching and we can, but, but I'm telling you, we ought to remember our missionaries that every Sunday, my just, I'm just telling you, we have missionaries in Italy right now, the Keisters. They've had a few people come to church. You guys support the Keisters? Oh, come on. All right, no, I'm just kidding. Ugh. But no, come on, they're, they're in Italy, and, and, and they're preaching every Sunday. And Brother, I mean, Brother Clifford's a great preacher. He's got a great heart for God. I mean, he's just, I mean, smart guy. I, I mean, very gifted. And, and he's going around. He's passing out tracts. They're doing work in schools. They're doing everything they can possibly do. And, and, and their goal and their desire is that somebody will come and they'll be able to tell them, listen, you've been lied to by Catholicism. You've been lied to by the humanistic society around you. There's not a champion within you waiting to get out. You're a sinner. I'm telling you, that's, that's so difficult that many churches in America don't do that today. We started a church in Ferndale, Washington. Our church in Bellingham grew to a point to where man, it was just like we needed a new property or we, we were going to have to kick some people out. So we said, well, that's a, we got to kick some people out because we couldn't afford to do the other. And so we did it the old-fashioned way. We started another church. So that's a good option. So we had, five, we had five families that were driving from a town 15 miles away, Ferndale, 
And uh, we just said, hey, would you be interested? Would you be willing? Uh, we need space, and we're willing to let you go. <laughs> we're doing a downsizing program? No. It's you, not us. No, uh, no. Uh, no, come on. No, come on. We, we had to come up with an answer because we were like, God was blessing. God was moving. I'm like, okay, well, God uh, either give us a bigger building. He wasn't doing that. So we said, well, let's go over and start a church. And, and so those five families said, yeah, we, we've always wanted a church in our town. Right. And, and so we went over to Ferndale. We began to uh, 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 look. And you say, well, why would you do that? I'll tell you why you got going, that, that, that even thought crossed my mind. I mean, because the, the thought that many of us have is just like, let's tear down these barns and build bigger. But you know what got my, my, my attention? I met one of our, our, our deacons over in Ferndale. He lived kind of uh, uh, just beyond Ferndale. Uh, but he said, Preacher, come meet me for breakfast one morning. I went over there to Ferndale. I met him at Denny's in Ferndale. And, and, and uh, we ate breakfast, had a good conversation, and, and uh, had a good time together. And as I was leaving, I opened the door for this little old, decrepit old little widow lady. I mean, walking in, all slunched over. And, and I mean, I don't know how old she was, but she was well-aged. And, and I said, ma'am, it's good. I said, uh, here, can I give this to you? And she took the track and she said, Baptist, I go to a Baptist church. I said, oh, really? Where do, you, where do you go? And she said, I go to First Baptist Church here in town. I've gone there my whole life. I was like, man, that's fantastic. I, I said, can you do something for me? She said, well, if I can, I will. I said, would you encourage your preacher to continue preaching the gospel? I mean, that should be like a no-brainer. I mean, I would just think, I mean, I mean, they are an independent Baptist. Uh, uh, they're, they're Northern Baptist garb. Uh, but I'm just thinking, I mean, come on, that's not a hard, shouldn't be a hard request to say, hey, let your preacher know he needs to continue being faithful to the gospel of Jesus Christ. <laughs> I'm still today floored by her response. She reached up and she go, pats me on the shoulder. And she said, <laughs> he would never do something so offensive from the pulpit. Really? And I got my mind turning. This, this is like why we went and started a church there. Because I started, like, went out and started driving around town. And, and I actually, like, started knocking on some doors in town. And, and I kind of met some other people that went there that they, I mean, they didn't have a clue what the gospel was. I mean, people that went to that church had no clue at all what the true gospel of the word of God, what, what true repentance was, they had no concept of it at all. I mean, they knew about the city of Corinth and all the different details of the ancient city of Corinth. That was wonderful. You don't know Christ? And, and friend, listen to me. If it's such an unpopular message here in America today, and there's preachers that are stopping to preach repentance and, and, and the death and burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ from the pulpits in America today. You don't think it might be difficult for a missionary to stand up week after week to, 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 to maybe his own family and declare unto them the truth of the gospel. And they finally have somebody walk in the door. Come on. They finally have somebody walk in the door. I'm so thankful here today. We, my, my dad, you got to meet him last year. We planted churches the whole time I was growing up, and, and we get the same speech on the way to church every morning. We're not fighting. We're not going to hit our brother or sister, and we're all going to get along. And, and, and uh, yes, ma'am, yes, sir. And, and, and when it comes to singing, let's all make sure we sing out, because if we have a visitor today, we don't want them to feel alone. We want them to feel welcomed in the service. We want them to feel like they're, they're, that, that, that there's a lot of people here. So... 
I, I'm telling you, all of the carters have real large, lar loud, large singing voices because we were like forced to from a little kid. I mean, we were made to do it. No. Ah, poor us. No, come on. No, we all have big mouths. It's our parents' fault. But, but, but come on. I'm thankful I'm here today. I don't hear myself singing. That's a good thing. It's a good thing. A lot of churches I go into, I hear me singing. I don't like that. You helped me. Thank you. But, but listen, it, it's tempting when that visitor comes in the back door, and we've been working to have visitors, and we've been plowing to have visitors, we've been spreading the seed of the Word of God, and that visitor finally walks in the back door. I'm telling you, it's got to be hard. It's, it's just hard. It's difficult to stand up and say, okay, uh, here's the text today, and, and this is the message of God. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. <laughs> You're a sinner in need of a Savior, and without Him, you are going to go and spend an eternity in hell. I'm telling you, it's one thing to get up and do it in a crowd this size. It's a whole other thing to do it in the midst of just a handful of people that you feel, I'm telling you, that you feel like you're carving out of the stone. And you've worked and worked and worked. And, and to take the Word of God and just say, listen, this is thus saith the Lord. This is what the Word of God has to say. And I'm not, tr I'm not trying to hurt your feelings. I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to cause you to feel, to, to, to feel anything other than the reality of the truth of the Word of God. Now, you want to remember your missionary? You remember them every Sunday getting up to a small congregation. Maybe some have a large, I don't know. But for the majority, I know we have, uh, we have right now, we're getting ready to send the Dice family. They're leaving on Tuesday to head over to England. All right? They're going to be working right between Brother Kent Gossmeyer and right between uh, Brother Gossmeyer and Brother Wayne Grissom. They're both out of our church, uh, three missionaries in England right now. Brother Kent's been over there laboring for, for over 25 years. They have like 30 people right now, 25 years of labor. <laughs> I, I, I'm telling you, and, and, and for the majority of it, it was, it was just a small handful of people, majority of the time just his family. And he prepared the message of the Word of God, and he got up and faithfully declared the Word of God, regardless of who showed up or who didn't. Because, friend, listen to me. For us to go forth and to preach another message other than his Word isn't profitable to anyone or to anything. It's not. And we need to take time to remember our missionaries from time to time. When they stand up, listen, and, and this is literally what's going on in their city and in this church and every time the word of God's preached and every time the truth of the word of God is presented, uh, there's people that are in denial to it. Come on. Uh, I mean, even in this church, Come on, help me tonight. You've been sitting in that pew and heard the truth of the Word of God and said, wait a second, I don't necessarily agree with that. I can't be the only person, right? At some point in time, you were sitting in the service and you heard the truth of the Word of God and you said, I, I don't know that I believe that. I don't know if I accept that. And, and, and while that's taking place, there's a preacher that's up front and he's declaring a truth that you want to deny I'm telling you, that happens in every church that preaches, preaches the Word of God every service. And there is an opposition to the truth. And, and, and yet, listen, friend, it doesn't diminish the truth of God's Word at all. It must still needs be declared that what you're denying, we're witnesses of. No, what you deny, we, we are going to declare 
We are going to proclaim. We are going to shout it from the housetops to everyone that will listen. And even if they won't listen, we're going to declare His truth, whether you deny it or receive it. Praise the Lord. Listen to me. Listen. Some are going to receive it. Some are going to receive it. And God wants men to agree with them about who they are. But how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? Friend, remember your missionary. It's going to stand and, and listen. Give forth God's truth without fear or favor of man that some might be saved. Let's have our heads bowed and our eyes closed tonight.